God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Kia ora mai tātou i tiwi, hei manaki o te atua, ki runga i a tātou i tēnei pō, nau mai haere mai, nau mai hoki mai tō runga ki a mātou, ko waiau. Ko Megan, tōku ingoa, ko tangata, poro haurangi, ei ei ahau. Nō reira, nō reira e tiwi, ki ora mai tātou. Welcome everybody, welcome to AA Meeting On Air. Um, and what I'll do is I'll just open with the preamble. That's a good idea. Okay, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. This morning we will be hearing from three speakers from, well we're all from different groups here this morning. Um, our speakers this morning will be sharing their experience, strength and hope about their journey of recovery from alcoholism. Laura, would you like to open our sharing this morning? Good morning. Kia ora, Megan. Thank you. And uh, Kia ora. lovely to be here this morning. Um, as I say, my name's Laura and I'm an alcoholic. Kia ora, Laura. And, yeah, my experience, strength and hope. Originally, uh, my experience with alcohol was that I was determined not to be an alcoholic because my father is one. So... I suppose I shouldn't say that because he doesn't think he is. But I despise people who drank, who had no control. It took him away from us and um, I was on my high horse. That's one of the things, one of my defects has been a very big ego. And uh, that got swiftly taken away when I had my first drink at 17. I was a pretty uh, dysfunctional child and all those things I'd been looking for to make me feel good and fit in, 
I found in that first drink. And, yeah, it was like, oh, this isn't so bad after all. Mm, maybe I can give it a go. And and um, a couple of bottles later, I was lying on the ground outside the front of a flat, being violently ill and um, thinking maybe it's not such a good idea. But it, it, that was the thing. It was it was the case of one drink straight away wasn't enough. It was crazy. And I got drunk pretty much on my first instance of drinking. And the next day I swore never to drink again. And um, by about 3 o'clock the following day, it was like, well, maybe I just won't drink that. I'll drink something else. And so that was okay. So I tried something else to drink, and that worked for a day or two, and then binge and blackout. I obviously had the disease straight away. I didn't progress into it because, as I say, I went straight into... I had a blackout within probably my first couple of months of drinking. And and I thoroughly enjoyed um, the way it made me feel for the first part of the evening and not how it made me feel for the second half. And... And it was crazy. The next day there would be the remorse. There would be the, you know, the stupid things started doing stupid things straight away. And, oh, God, who, you know, who did I talk to or say what to or or break or what have you. But um, then it'd be, oh, yeah, it's okay, I'll get over it. And you go and get the sick, the hangover cure. I mean, forever thinking hangover cures. Um, and by the end of the day or a couple of days later, I think, oh, yeah, no, it's okay, I'll be okay this time. I'll just have a couple and I'll be fine. Because honestly, there's some days I just wanted to just have a couple of drinks. And, you know, everyone's finished work and everyone's, you know, being chummy and tearing down to the pub or to somebody's place or going to the beach and everyone has a drink, you know. And um, I wanted to be part of that. But... Two drinks later, or one drink later led to two, two led to three, three led to lots. And and I've shared before where I've stopped for lunch at a pub in Queen Street and um, 11 o'clock at night they throw me out. And the car that I parked in a clearway, which, you know, at midday wasn't an issue because the clearway wasn't until three o'clock, obviously was gone. And I proceeded to go up to the police station in the middle of the night and bang on the doors and demand my car back, completely drunk, and wondered why they wouldn't give it to me. Um, and just that sort of really, really bizarre behaviour of, of being invincible once I had alcohol in me and no consequences, no regard for anyone, no regard for myself. And... I got myself into some pretty dangerous situations. So what I would do is I'd hang around with people who drank more than me, used hard drugs, um, so that I didn't look like such such a loser, to be honest. Um, I found I couldn't drink as much as some people, and that used to annoy me. So I'd take drugs to help me drink more. It's a rationale of that. And... Because I, yeah, it, it just wanted more every day. Um, so there was the run-ins with the law. There was, you know, disappointing family. Um, starting to get to the point where I was stealing things 
to be able to provide for, um, you know, my drinking because I was spending more than I was earning and being dishonest and hurting people. So I started the geographical as well, you know. I, I changed jobs so many times, uh, moved around, lived in boarding houses and ran in people's flats and it didn't matter as long as I was having a drink. So a few years passed that way and uh, I decided that I'm getting a bit older now. This isn't really quite so cool. I actually had a chance to look at myself and think, I really don't want to be sort of just some desolate drunk. You know, I was in my 30s by this stage. There's no control over my life. Um, I'd like something a bit nicer. So I changed what I drank. I changed who I drank with and tried to... And I changed the amount I drank, and it just became a real battle. It actually overtook my life. I didn't realise how much until I stopped. The effort I put into how much I worked, then cleaned my house, then drank, then paid my bills, then cleaned my house, then worked, then drank, then just drank, <laughs> and then I'd start the cycle again the next day, you know, or the next week, um, and. If, as, as I've heard in the rooms before, when I was enjoying my drinking, I wasn't controlling it. When I was controlling it, I wasn't enjoying it. And just the obsession, I mean, just the dumb things like my, my stepsister saying to me, oh, you know, she just had a, a baby and she said, oh, we're going to um, such and such a place to have, you know, the, the uh, first birthday. And obviously you're all invited. And I said, oh, but they don't sell alcohol there because I'd hear the place. She goes, no. I says, well, I don't want to go. You know, that was that, that was all I could think about. I can't get a drink there. I'm not going to go. Um, but I did go and I just took some of my handbag. And, and just the constant priority it, it, it was for me. So anyway, I... I did another few years of that and did my perfect storm, as I call it. And luckily I'd heard about AA through the police and the courts a few years earlier. And I phoned them and found the nearest meeting and started going. And I've been in AA a few years now and um, just the hope is it's given me to change my life. It's replaced the alcohol. It's hard work being sober, but it's worth it. And the, the rewards of sobriety is has been having a nice place, a nice car, a good job, friends that still talk to me, and actually having fun um, and remembering it. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful for AA, and I'm pleased to be here. Thank you, Megan. Mm, it's wonderful to have you here with us. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for being here with us this morning. Walter, would you like to share with us? Kia ora mai tato i te uh, ko Walter Franks tōku ingoa, e tangata poro haurangi a hau, e tata tōku pāpa, e, ko mamari te waka, ko te kama, ko te manga, manga, wero, manga tako wero te awa, e, ko patukura te marae, ko nga te kau te iwi, e mama, ko waikato te awa, he peko he tanipa, he tanifarau, he tanui te waka, Ko taupiri me te kua o Waikato nga manga tapu, ko nga titipa te hapu, ko Waikato te iwi, nō reira. Kia ora mai tātou. Kia ora, Kia ora um, Yep, uh, alcohol for me, well, started really early. Um, 
started in the, in the cradle. Um, so I was told. Uh, my auntie um, said to me that's what they did in those days was um, they filled all the kids' bottles up with um, beer. So, yeah, I got that um, in the cot and I pretty much was destined. I love this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I pretty much was destined to um, continue drinking. Um, that that um, journey in itself took me to a whole lot of places, lots of different places. Um, one of the places it took me um, that I've realised today is that it taught me a whole different um, way of life. Taught me a whole other um, culture um, in regards to it helped me disconnect from who I am as Māori. Um, I know there's lots of other things in, in there that have done that also, but those are one of the things that, well, that alcohol is one of the things that has really done that. Okay, um, so for me, um, I suppose it, it really took off um, uh, maybe around seven or eight. Um, I, I started to taste that again. I tasted that uh, on the marae with my whānau. Um, at the end of the day, um, my dad and my uncles all sitting together drinking. And as you do as a kid, I walked up to my dad and um, said to him, could I have a drink? And at that, and that time, he, um, those those um, fellas at that time, they they all used to give us um, the froth, the top of the beer. So he gave me gave me that, and then I wanted more. So, but even every now and again, I'd go back and ask him for another drink. Um, that continued on. I think um, towards maybe maybe about eight or nine. And again, back on the Marae, I can remember me and my cousins um, waiting for them. They were get, they got really, really haurangi. This is my dad and my uncles. They got haurangi and we knew they didn't really, they um, couldn't remember how many beers was in the fridge by then. So we would, we would, went there and we would take us a crate. So it started there. It would take us a crate and, and go down by the river and me and my cousins would um, indulge. I wasn't aware that later, you know, I suppose I'm, I understand now. So it made something happen for me. Um, I felt a, a, an ease come over me. I felt uh, a glow and I felt, I suppose I felt a way that I never had ever um, felt before. Um, when I, when I left that setting and I come back to the city, um, with my family, I come back to the city here and I never really um, tutted with that, eh? I never touched that. Um, but I always wondered about that feeling. Uh, I, I left, I, I suppose I left home at 11. I left home at 11 and then I, um, I left home at 11 and then I, I began, I, I started drinking. I started drinking quite a lot. Um, I was in the end of that, I was out on the streets and yeah, so I ended up, um, I suppose, the bottle weed and a few other substances, not just alcohol, smoked marijuana, um, used solvents. Um, so all of those things became my friends. Um, but always, always reverted back to alcohol, always did. 
even on the most coldest nights, there was the one thing that I always looked for, always went for the spirits. And I'll be out there in the middle in the middle of the night and it's freezing and I'd have a couple of nips of that and instantly feel better. You know, um, through that, and, and like I was saying, through that journey, that I, I, that took me to lots of different places, boys' homes, prisons, things like that. I suppose the, the recovery end of end of that journey there also took me to the to the rehab. I went through the rehab. Um, first time I went through there was in 1995. I was out. My brother was out. My brother was going away for a long one. And he um, went into the rehab and I kind of followed him into the rehab to see what it was all about. And, yeah, I knew there and then that at some stage down the track I was going to come back there. Sure enough, um, when I went back in there in 2004, but by then I, I believe I had hit my rock bottom. This is what I know it to be today. I hit my rock bottom and I knew then I was ready. You know, so I ended up, I went to the treatment centre called Te Araho, um, which is out in South Auckland. I went to that treatment centre and I loved it. I got in there. Right through my life, I've always known that something's been missing. Something's always been missing and I, I believe I found it there. I saw it there. Um, the thing that I've always known had been missing was the, was my... Um, culture or my Māori side of myself. I wasn't growing up. I, I didn't grow up speaking um, Te Reo Māori. Um, so for me, that was foreign. Um, but going in and being in that environment, something happened in there and, I, and the light switched on and I became a sponge. So I learned all those, that, all of the, all of the ako, I started to learn and enjoy. So I stayed there for about uh, two years stayed there at the rehab and then those good people over there decided that they loved me so much they were going to give me a job <laughs> so they hired me on yeah they hired me on I stayed with that with that outfit I stayed with um, the people there for close to eight 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 years as a as a kaumahi or worker and, and two years as a whaiora so all in all, I spent 10 years with that family. learned lots of things. Along the way there, what I did um, learn was, um, even though I love that stuff, I love my culture and I love who I am, I learned too that that wasn't strong enough. And I was clean for a while, but um, my drawback... Uh, the call of my, my addiction or my alcoholism was too strong. In the end, I ended up uh, relapsing. Relapsed, and I, went, and I went, went like that for a couple of years. Um, relapse, uh, get clean for a while, relapse again, get clean for a while. So I had that pattern going on for maybe four years, four years in the team that I was with their family. Um, then I threw that... Um, by God's graces, our almighty Father, he blessed me with a beautiful woman, with a beautiful wife, and through that came a different recovery approach, came the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
No, I don't, I'm, I, you know, I didn't take to it straight away. I, I'm one of those people too, um, you know, I have to learn things the hard way. So I had a couple of boot marks on my backside first before I actually accepted that this is how it is for me. Um, when once I did accept that and, and totally surrendered um, to, our, to AA, the world changed. The world became a better place. Yeah. Um, the program that I have today, um, it's my program. It's it's I I have learned through um, uh, the program um, through Alcoholics Anonymous that it's my program. Um, I can't do anybody else's program. But I can do mine. Um, it's learned me. It's taught me a whole lot of things in regards to principles. You know, things that I um, I try and practice daily in my life about being honest, you know, about about being truthful and, and I suppose instead of turning a blind eye, speaking up. Hmm. These are some of the pearls or the gifts, I call them, of sobriety that I have in my life today. Um, I suppose yeah, I'm getting signaled to wrap it up. <laughs> Also, what I have in my life today is I have a family. I'm responsible. Um, I can be. I'm reliable. I'm there when I'm supposed to be there. Um, yeah, I'm a responsible person. Um, so, yeah, thanks for asking me to share, Megan. Thanks, Walter. Thanks, thanks Walter. Walter. Coming back. Kia Marie, would you like to share with us this morning? Yep. Thanks, Megs. Kia ora whanau. I'm Marie. I'm an alcoholic. Kia ora Marie. Kia ora Marie. Um, yep, and I'm definitely an alcoholic. Um, just from hearing the sharing this morning, um, I could identify to everybody's kōrero. Um, me and my drinking started way back when I was about eight, nine years old, and it was just an accident. Um, I heard someone else share earlier that, you know, it was just normal. And being the oldest of the whānau, I was, you know, I, I just got up in the mornings and would go and clear up the kitchen and then, you know, got curious. But um, didn't like my first drink, hated it. So, uh, but then, you know, and that was every week, mum and dad would get together and they'd, they'd party up. And then eventually I just got used to the taste and then I liked it. And I liked how it made me feel. And I liked how I was able to just get on and do things that I needed to do as the older cousin. Um, and, it, and then from there, it just, yeah, I guess I just got more confident and grew up by 10. By 11, I was out the doors doing my own thing. Um, I remember my first blackout, I was being 12, 13 years old, and Waking up to this great big guy with his hand out, going, get up, bub. If I didn't realise, I had blacked out. We used to call it a head rush. And if you had a head rush, oh, you had a good night. You know, and I came into these rooms and I found out what blackout meant. And then I also found out what that you could have a blackout while you're awake. You know, and that freaked me right out. Um, yeah. And then I just, guess it just, yeah, I just loved alcohol. And then from there, I just loved anything that 
that gave me that same effect. Um, by 18, I fell in love with a guy that got me off one substance, but I just couldn't put down alcohol no matter what. And, um, I had children, and I got to my third child, and I picked them up, and I took them to my nanny, and he says, oh, I don't want to do this. So you can't do that. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't, because I couldn't do them and drink. Mm-hmm. And drinking was was everything. You know, I just couldn't manage. Um, and then it just got, you know, it just got worse and worse. You know, the, the, the good times became far and few. And, and, you know, a lot of it, a lot of my last lot of drinking, I really can't remember. I could get up and people would be just like, you've done it again, you know. And um, so I ended up going out to stay with my my money and I read at Amarama and um, then I had gone to my first meeting in Papakura Saturday night and I heard a couple of ladies shared and I was just blown away because I thought, ah, really? You feel like that? And um, so I just I, I, I didn't stay to because I didn't think I had a problem. But I just wanted to know what else these ladies had to say. And I wanted to know why they were so happy. How can they be happy when I'm just like, my life's over? And I just keep coming back. And then, um, yeah, and just got me a sponsor, got into some step work. I thought I had the sus. And then I left and I moved away. And within a few weeks, I had moved, like, totally moved out into the warps. And within a few weeks, I had picked up. And, but I had enough hope left to pick up that phone and call my sponsor and got myself back down to Auckland. And, um, and then I still got back to Auckland and I still didn't know what to do. And then... Um, a suggestion was made. I go into go into a program, and then um, yeah, I went to Salvation Army and did the bridge rehab, and oh, that's when I got to learn about me, and I could say relate to your Waltz. And I had a I had a huge identity problem, you know, and I I had gone through rehab and I came out of rehab being a proud body woman mm-hmm. for the first time in my life I felt like a proud body woman and um, and I got a feeling eh? it's just a, a huge feeling and um, yeah so and since coming out of the bridge program of gone and done a few more courses and I've graduated them and um, and it's all just been around recovery and self-discovery and and I guess with, with AA it's helping me to do the next right thing basically.
totally yeah and, and I'm, I'm just a newcomer I'm just over six and a half months and um, you know it's life 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 is life I get that today but it, I don't it's not hard enough that you know I have to go out there and do what I used to do I think those thoughts are just starting to be somewhere in the distant so I'm getting so filled up with the fellowship this program and like even today I'm here because I said yes I didn't know what I was up to (laughs) (laughs) I hear the old timers they just say just stay in the middle girl you just say yes okay and um, I'm a grateful alcoholic and I have my whanau today I have my partner, I, my, my children, they, you know, they're just so awesome today. And uh, my grandchildren, and I'm just really grateful to be here. So mm-hmm. thanks for asking me to share me. Thanks for being here today, Marie. Thank you all for being here. Yeah, it's awesome to have you guys here. Um, you've been listening to AA Meeting On Air at 104.6 Planet FM. Gosh, that was really a struggle to get out. 104.6 FM. Next week, there will be another meeting on air if you want to tune in. And there are over 100 AA meetings each week within the Greater Auckland area. For more information, log on to aa.org.nz. Um, should we just close with the Serenity Prayer, eh, Whanau? Should we do that? God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Kia ora my tate. I keep coming back. Kia ora whanau. You can hear this program again at planetaudio.org.nz slash AA meeting on air. Thanks everyone. Keep coming back. Kia ora my tate. Ka kite anō.